and welcome to today's Unpacked Short. I'm Charlie Pickles and I'm joined by Peter Franklin. Hi Charlie. Hi Peter. Uh, For anyone who doesn't yet know, Peter writes our fantastic daily Unpacked column. Uh, And today we are discussing a piece that Peter wrote uh, just in the wake of Frank Field, the, well, was Labour MP, I suppose still Labour in the sense that he's still a party member but no longer taking the whip so Frank Field resigned the party whip at the end of August um, citing anti-semitism and and racism and general nastiness but we're talking today about the fact that any political party should have a Frank Field test. I want to start though because actually the the piece that you unpacked Peter is not not really about Frank Field so so tell us why you chose this. Okay, it's a piece by Matthew Goodwin, um, political scientist extraordinaire, who, um, this was uh, for Politico, um, and it was based on some new polling, which uh, specifically asked people about um, issues that were really important to them, but they felt that none of the existing political parties were addressing. And he said that when you go down the list of those issues, you find that um, the new political party that they suggest needs to be formed to fill that gap isn't in fact this new centrist party, which is a sort of Lib Dems Mark II, um, which people keep on talking about, a sort of refuge for Blairites and Osborneites and Uh, Cleggites and all of these sort of rather establishment figures but it would suggest a rather more sort of populist radical um, some might say right-wing agenda someone might someone might some might even say (laughs) pardon me extreme right-wing okay and so I mean this links to stuff that Peter you've written about um, on several occasions before which is this idea of a sort of political compass uh, if you like and you know when you draw out a political compass thinking of kind of social or cultural um, as one axis and, and economic as the other actually there is a a, a bit of a, a vacuum in terms of our current political parties in the big space that has let's say socially conservative or culturally conservative as you might put it Peter and economically interventionist and, and that's the kind of area that we're we're talking about and that Matthew um, is identifying as being where the gap is that's right you know if you if you take one of these two-dimensional um, uh, political spectrums so instead of left and right, Uh, along a single line. You in fact have two lines and those are at right angles so that makes four quadrants and then one in one corner is both socially and economically liberal which is more or less where um, most of the parties are um, or certainly were before Corbyn. Um, You know Blair, Clegg, Cameron, all of these politicians fit in that and that's the establishment politics of Britain and most other democratic countries, right? And then opposite that, diametrically opposite, you've got a combination of, as you say, something that's more culturally and uh, conservative and economically interventionist. And if you look at polling data of where a lot of people are, um, ordinary voters, they're in that sort of socially conservative interventionist um, quadrant, not where all the metropolitan liberals are 
which is right in, uh, on the other side of that kind of political diagram. Um, and that's that I think is really interesting and no you know there's not nearly enough people um, have cottoned onto this but Matthew Goodwin certainly has and that's where the great irony is Peter that the people who are clamoring for a new quote centrist party actually could just stick with one of the current parties exactly well certainly I mean it, it's true under Corbyn that on certainly on on um, economic issues that's been taken further to the left so there's there's some some coming apart some greater diversity which there. helps explain why he's so popular indeed yes but not culturally at all um, in, in fact, they're probably going in an even more sort of, you know, on sort of various, maybe sort of trans issues, things Identity like that. Identity politics. Identity politics. They're not, you know, if anything, they're alienating their traditional working class voters. Um, so, yes, there is this huge gap in the market, if you can call the political spectrum a market, um, but it's definitely there. Um, and, you know, Matthew Goodwin shows you know, point by point by point, the polling evidence that backs this up. And it's fascinating because um, you quote a particular line, uh, you quote several bits, but but there is a particular line um, in Matt's piece, which says that if there were to be a new party to accommodate these voters who are sort of feeling politically homeless, uh, as it were, at the moment, then that party would be, quotes, more Trumpian than Blairite, more like Le Pen's national uh, rally than Nigel Farage's UK Independence Party. Mm. Um, first of all, can you explain that? Because some people would think, well, you know, U UKIP and National Front are cut from the same cloth, but he's clearly making a distinction. So, so first of all, can you explain why those two are quite different? Okay, well, UKIP, um, certainly as it was before it sort of dwindled away after the um, Brexit referendum, was, um, you know, by its own admission, a libertarian party, um, you know, probably a sort of low-tax party, um, probably, you know, open to things like more private sector involvement in the NHS. But the sort of voters that Matthew Goodwin's uh, are talking about, definitely not. You know, they want more state, not less of it. Um, and Le Pen is... And Le Pen, state. it's absolutely Le Pen, very much so, very much an interventionist. Um, not exactly a socialist, but certainly not a libertarian. And that brings us uh, back to my opening point, and indeed the um, title of your unpacked piece, Peter, which is Would Frank Field Fit In? The Test We Should Apply to Any New Party. So would Frank Field fit into a new party that was uh, a sort of UK version of Le Pen's French party? Uh, and indeed, if he doesn't, would that really be attractive, do you think, to the British populace? Well, I think definitely no, he wouldn't want to be part of that sort of far-right outfit at all. Um, you know, In the same it, way he wouldn't want to be part of a centrist a very, you know, kind of liberal elite centrist party. Indeed, yes. I think both of them are anathema to that sort of politics. And I think anathema to most of the people that is working class course of, um, supporters are sort of most, you know, in sympathy with his politics. Yes, they want people to, um, to be patriotic, to have controlled immigration, to have a firm line on crime and also to, 
you know, have a firm line on benefits, cheats and, and things like that. But they also want, you know, an NHS. They also want fairness for all. They're certainly not racists. Um, uh, so, you know, you've got a... Um, I, I think, you know, when you see that combination of cultural conservatism and, and, and economic interventionism, at the moment, it's only those sort of radical populist parties that are addressing that gap. But they're doing it from the fringes. They're doing it with a fairly extreme agenda. What most people want who are in that sort of quadrant is actually for it to be addressed from the genuine common ground in politics and not in a rabble-rousing way, not in a bigoted way. So I think the real gap in politics is for a moderate party that actually um, genuinely takes on board people's legitimate cultural um, and economic insecurities and, and does something about it. And that's where it's interesting that um, Matthew Goodwin points out how popular Theresa May was when she originally um, went to Downing Street, so originally became Prime Minister, mm. and her speech on on the number 10 steps, which you know has become sort of rather infamous, infamous because she said it and then probably did nothing about it, but this kind of idea of tackling injustices and you know yes. kind of delivering a sort of fairer economic um, model, a fairer kind of e economic um, system, but also delivering Brexit on em immigration, that kind of stuff. That's right, yes. And it was wildly popular. I mean, you know, as some, some polls showed her sort of nudging 50% in the polls. Um, and then, you know, spectacularly, inexplicably threw it all away in the 2017 election in which, you know, all of that was dumped and, and has now been forgotten. It's extraordinary. They hit upon a winning formula and then tore it into pieces. But it's there for someone else to pick up. We could spend um, a good hour unpicking the 2017 um, election, but alas, we're called shorts for a reason, uh, so we must leave it there. Um, suffice to say that it does sound rather like what we're looking for is a party that can hit that sweet spot of sort of um, blue, Labour, red, Tory. Indeed. So there we go, a challenge for Frank Field, perhaps, out there. Um, thank you so much, Peter. Another fascinating unpacked. Um, thank you all for listening. James, thank you for producing this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do rate us so that other people can find out uh, about the shorts and listen to them. And of course, if you haven't already subscribed, please do so on whatever the platform is that you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm.